What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. We got a lot of things to talk about on this episode, man. Saquon Barkley and Trayvon Diggs got paid. We're going to discuss their deals. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they need Trayvon Walker to step up big time this year if they're looking to make a Super Bowl run. The NCAA has finally decided to do their job. They're discussing a potential four-game suspension of Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh. We're going to talk about why it's a huge hypocrisy, why the NCAA is tripping in this situation, and Jim Harbaugh, what is going to be the implications of him potentially missing the first four games of the season for Michigan. I'm going to be ranking the eight best passing attacks going into the upcoming NFL season, why Bills fans are super hyped for James Cook, Drew Aller, can he get Penn State over the hump, and Justin Ross is making some noise during training camp for the Kansas City Chiefs so far. So if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode. Remember that we're not just available on YouTube. You can find us on all audio platforms, wherever you get your podcasts from, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. So the Dallas Cowboys have opened up the wallet and they have paid star cornerback Trayvon Diggs a five-year deal worth $97 million dollars. And is this an overpay, right? That's what everybody is asking. Did they overpay? You got the people on Twitter saying that Trayvon Diggs is overrated. Dallas overpaid for him. This isn't an overpay. Five years, $97 million. Do the math. He's going to be getting paid $19.4 million a year, which would make him the fifth highest paid cornerback in the NFL. He'll be behind Jair Alexander, Marlon Humphrey, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, but he's ahead of Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard. I think that Dallas paid Trayvon Diggs what he was worth. I don't even think they overpaid for him. I think that they paid him his market value. You remember that year that he had a couple of, um, not too long ago where he ended up having 11 interceptions in 2021. So that was a couple of years ago. And during that season, he, even though made a lot of interceptions, he also gave up a lot of touchdowns. He got beat pretty consistently that year. So there's a narrative about Trayvon Diggs that he's not that great. He's overrated because yeah, he gets you a lot of interceptions, but he's known to give up a lot of big plays and coverage. And the funny thing about that is that last season, although he didn't have as many interceptions as he had in 2021, that was his best season of his NFL career. He didn't give up a lot of yards. He only gave up two or three touchdowns. And he also was allowing a low completion percentage. So I think that Trayvon Diggs getting paid what he was worth was a good bargain for the Dallas Cowboys, considering the fact that 
you could have easily overpaid him and made him one of the highest paid cornerbacks to ever play this game if you was, you know, a dysfunctional franchise. But I think giving him $97 million over five years, I think that's a pretty good deal because they could have easily overpaid him. Probably could have given him five years, $105 million because there are plenty of franchises out there that are probably going to end up doing that. Trayvon Diggs, I feel at this point, he's a little bit underrated with how much disrespect he gets. If you go on pro football focus and you look up Trayvon Diggs, ignore the score, just look at how many touchdowns and yards he gave up. It was pretty impressive. So last year kind of was his best season, even though he didn't have, you know, a hell of interceptions. This dude was pretty locked down in coverage. You got to stop with the Trayvon Diggs narratives. He was really impressive last season for the Dallas Cowboys. He definitely deserves to be paid like one of the best cornerbacks in the game. Now, I don't know if I think he should be getting more than Jalen Ramsey, I do think if I'm Jalen Ramsey, I go to my agent and I say, hey, like, you better get my deal reworked. Can't have Trayvon Diggs making more than me. But Trayvon Diggs is a top five cornerback, in my opinion. You probably could say, oh, he's not top five, but he is top 10. I would agree with that. But if you have him outside the top 10, I'm going to say you're tripping. But Trayvon Diggs and the Dallas Cowboys have agreed to a five-year deal worth $97 million. Let me know your comments about this. Do you think that the Dallas Cowboys overpaid for Trayvon Diggs, or do you think that they paid him what he was worth? The New York Giants and Saquon Barkley have come to terms on a one-year deal worth $11 million. Now, the way that Saquon Barkley can obtain all of this money is that he has the incentive laced into this contract if the giants make the playoffs plus he has 1350 rushing yards 11 total touchdowns and 65 receptions he will get 900k extra according to this deal and for the new york giants they kind of had to make this move we all knew that the New York Giants were not going to be able to make it to the playoffs this year without Saquon Barkley being a member on that squad. A lot of people keep saying that the running back position is easily replaceable. Yes, that is true, but guys like Saquon Barkley don't grow on trees. You're not going to find a lot of running backs that have the talent that Saquon Barkley brings to the table. You see, positional value doesn't always equate the talent all the time sometimes talent exceeds positional value a running back like cmc and saquon barkley is good enough to win you an extra game or two due to what they're able to do catching the football out of the backfield and how good they are as running backs you guys forget saquon barkley's rookie season he was one of the best running backs in the NFL, <clears throat> excuse me, despite the fact that the New York Giants had one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And Saquon Barkley hasn't really played with a good offensive line throughout any of his healthy seasons with the New York Giants, and despite that has put up elite running back production. So I'm a little bit disappointed he didn't get a long-term deal, but he is going to get paid this year. And for Daniel Jones, now you're going to have him back in the backfield. That read option combination with Saquon and 
Vanilla Vic is going to be really deadly. And I'm interested to see how this ends up playing out long term. Are the Giants going to extend Saquon after this season? You see, I think that a lot of people are overlooking that Saquon Barkley isn't on the same staff that drafted him. And he doesn't have the same people in the front office that made the decision to take him as high as where he went when he got drafted a couple of years back by New York. So when you got a new GM and a new head coach that didn't draft you, I don't think they're going to have as much likeness towards you enough to be able to want to pay you as much as what you feel you deserve. Meanwhile, if you're a team that has a player that you drafted with the same GM that drafted him and the same coaching staff, there's going to be more likelihood that they're going to extend him, regardless if there are some injury concerns. Look at what happened with Jason Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott. He has a tendency to overpay these guys. And the reason for that is because he has a little bit of favoritism towards him. You want to know why? Because he was the person who was the reason for why they became a Dallas Cowboy. So, of course, there's going to be some personal bias towards certain players that a general manager drafts. Saquon Barkley isn't really getting that kind of treatment. Joe Shun, they're kind of looking at him saying, eh, like, you're a great player, but it's like, we ain't really draft you, so... You know, we don't really have, you know, the same desire to give you a long-term deal as the previous regime would have had. Saquon Barkley, though, I am really excited to see him play this year for the New York Giants. I have him on a couple of my fantasy teams. I was a little bit worried. That's why they say don't draft your teams this early. But he now has been contracted or I don't know if you can say contracted is a word, but he has now been signed to the New York Giants. He isn't playing on the franchise tag. This is a one-off deal. So let's see if they can strike a long-term deal throughout some point of the season or if they bring him back next year. The NCAA has finally decided that they want to do their jobs and for a really petty reason. So Jim Harbaugh, Michigan football and the NCAA are working towards a negotiated resolution stemming from recruiting violations committed by Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverine staff. And you want to know what Jim Harbaugh did that was so bad that he's facing a potential suspension? Oh, nothing. He just took a recruit out to get a hamburger. And he's facing a potential suspension because he lied about it. This is so crazy. Can you believe that? After everything that's gone on with NIL, the Jalen Rashada situation, you finally handled the Tennessee situation, but now you want to try to put the hammer down on Jim Harbaugh because he lied? about buying some hamburgers and also Sharon Moore and tight end coach Grant Newsom are going to be facing some consequences for this as well and it's like this just doesn't make any sense the NCAA is going to try to drop their hammer on Jim Harbaugh where there's been tampering teams hitting up other players 
part of other schools saying, hey, come play for us in the portal, such as, you know, the last Jordan Addison situation when he ended up transferring from Pitt to USC. There was some alleged tampering involved in that. We didn't hear anything from the NCAA on that. They were ghost on that one. This whole NIL situation, they're ghost about. It's just like the NCAA, this is a situation where they're just trying to do their job to make it look like they're actually really doing their job, if that makes sense. Basically, what I'm trying to say is they don't really do their job, so this is a rare situation where they don't have to really do a lot of work, and they get the opportunity to still show, hey, like, we still work every once in a while. Like, this makes absolutely no sense. You're suspending somebody? Because allegedly he brought a recruit a hamburger and lied about it. Of course, he never should have lied about it. He should have been straight up. I don't know why he would lie about buying a hamburger. It's like, fuck it. If you bought a recruit a hamburger, you brought him a hamburger. And since that is against the rules I'm taking, all right, you'll have to serve the consequences for that. And the consequences wouldn't have been so severe. The NCAA is more upset that he lied to them about buying the recruit a hamburger than they are him actually buying the recruit the hamburger. Y'all following me on this? So the NCAA is not mad at Jim Harbaugh for buying the recruit the hamburger. Okay, like, yeah, he never should have done that. They were a little upset with that. But they're more upset with him at the fact that he lied about buying the recruit the hamburger can you believe that come on now dog come on man so the ncaa has finally decided to step in and do their job and this could change he could face less time maybe more but you look at the ncaa and a couple of articles that I've read, some of them said that they had a couple of level two violations during the COVID-19 dead period, talking to recruits, meeting them, texting them outside of the allowed time period. And Jim Harbaugh lying to NCAA investigators has made this punishment a little bit more harsher. Now the NCAA considers lying a huge high violation their most deadliest crime that you can commit in their eyes level two violations according to the yahoo article that i was reading said less than substantial or extensive recruiting or competitive advantages so i'm guessing giving the recruit a hamburger just gives him some superpowers and he just automatically becomes better than any other player so you got to do a little bit of punishment for that and the four games that Jim Harbaugh could potentially miss if this punishment falls through is that he won't be there to coach against Eastern Carolina or East Carolina, ECU, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. These are some of the best teams in college football. So you look at the fact that Michigan, they got all these championship aspirations, right? I feel like him getting getting suspended doesn't really change anything at all. I mean, they shouldn't struggle against any of those schools, all those schools. 
shouldn't be good this year and they just have one of the best rosters in college football so they should be able to handle themselves over the course of Jim Harbaugh's suspension and maybe the team ends up getting motivated off this they already got a lot of motivation to play Georgia Jim Harbaugh the fact that he's getting suspended four games over some damn hamburgers and lying over it is ridiculous man there's been a lot worse going on that the NCAA has just been closed eyes to. Buying the recruit a hamburger is so, so, so bad that you got to suspend the guy for games for lying about it. And I'm not saying that he never should have, you know, I'm saying that he should have told the truth. Okay, I'm not saying that he should have been excused from lying about it. But I'm just saying that you're trying to drop the hammer about, you know, something so simple. Why are coaches even getting, you know, in trouble for buying recruits a hamburger? You feel me? You should be able to treat a recruit to dinner. How is that a competitive advantage? What are they doing? They putting steroids in the in the food? You feel me? What are they doing? They putting extra vitamins in that food? They putting a DNA food? I don't get why the NCAA is trying to drop the hammer on a guy just wanting to buy a recruit on a visit a hamburger. What's so wrong about that? As a matter of fact, I don't see anything wrong with it. As a, I think that's good hospitality. These recruits, if I'm coming from, you know, Texas all the way down to Michigan, I want some eats. And if we out, why not buy me a burger? I think that's just common courtesy. So one thing about the NCAA is that apparently they don't like common courtesy. At least in my eyes, common courtesy, you take somebody out, you know, if they hungry and they're your guest, you buy them something to eat. It don't got to be nothing expensive. It's not like he took this recruit to Ruth Chris. He probably took this recruit to maybe a local McDonald's or something. You know, and bought him something off the dollar menu and probably got something for himself. And he's getting punished because he lied about it for potentially four games? I hope this doesn't go through. If this goes through, this would be horrendous. Just horrendous. The NCAA just shows so much incompetence on so many things. But when it comes to a guy buying a recruit a cheeseburger, it's so deadly. It's such a crime. It's so wrong that he lied about it. Let me know what you guys think about this down in the comment section down below. Now, when Trayvon Walker was drafted number one overall in last year's draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars, I was like, what the hell are the Jacksonville Jaguars doing? They're doing it once again. And all my homeboys had to calm me down. They was like, JT, JT, you got to chill. I was like, hell no, I don't need to chill. They should have drafted Aiden Hutchinson. Did you not see what he did with the Detroit Lions last year? What was Trayvon Walker doing? But it was like, JT, even though he's a developmental prospect, he has a lot of upside. He brings a lot of versatility to the team. So give him a chance. I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to give this dude a chance, right? And his rookie season was okay for rookie standards. Even though he was the number one overall pick, you expect, you know, kind of elite production right away 
with some of the previous guys who've been taking number one overall or top three as edge rushers, such as Nick Bosa, Jory Bosa. Those guys were elite right out the gate, even Josh Allen. So Trayvon Walker really needs to deliver for the Jags this year. And this is why I really feel like the Jaguars need Trayvon Walker to break out this season. Everybody, well, not everybody, but some people out there, a good amount of people out there believe that the Jaguars are capable of making it to the Super Bowl this year. Now, I don't think the Jaguars are a Super Bowl team this year. I think they're a year away. You have concerns on the offensive line, and plus, your pass rush doesn't really look all that good on paper this year. You lost to Wayne Smoot and Arden Key in free agency. And your most reliable pass rushers that you have are Josh Allen and who else? Trayvon Walker needs to be a breakout player for the Jags this year. He needs to deliver on that number one overall hype. Because when you look at all the teams that are Super Bowl contenders, what do they all have in common? They all have the ability to get pressure on the quarterback. Look at the four teams who were in this past year's conference championship games. The Eagles, they could get pressure on the quarterback. The 49ers, they could get pressure on the quarterback. Cincinnati Bengals, Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard. The Kansas City Chiefs, Chris Jones, and whoever else. The Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to go far in the playoffs if they don't have a great pass rush. I'm not saying you need an elite pass rush, but you need to have a good, consistent pass rush. And Trayvon Walker, if he doesn't develop this year, it's going to be a really big hindrance for the Jaguars this season. And plus, it's going to be really concerning. And let me remind you that this isn't the first developmental pass rusher that the Jaguars have drafted in the first round. Y'all remember Caleb Von Chasen? Some of y'all may not. I still remember him because I didn't like that selection either. I was looking at that pick the same way I was looking at this pick. Like, what the hell are you doing? Start with these developmental projects, man. If I'm picking somebody in the first round, if I'm Trent Balky, I need somebody who can come produce for me. The Jaguars don't have a good history with first-round picks. When's the last time the Jaguars re-signed one of their first-round selections? Jalen Ramsey, gone. Leonard Fournette, gone. We're not going to talk about Blake Bortles. So it's just, when you look at the Jaguars, Trayvon Walker really needs to deliver this season if this is going to be a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl-caliber team. If the Jaguars don't have a elite or a consistent pass rush, they're going to get carved up by Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and some of the other elite quarterbacks in this conference. Because one thing about those quarterbacks, if you can't get a consistent pass rush on them late in games, they're going to carve you up. And you can say, oh, JT, Jacksonville, Homewood, Kansas City. They did. But in the big moments, what did this defense do? They folded because they didn't have a consistent pass rush. You need a consistent pass rush to get guys like Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes off the damn field. So you really need Trayvon Walker to deliver, and he has shown flashes. But this season, you don't need any more flashes. You don't need to hear any more potential speeches. You need to actually see some damn production. 
the NFL is a production-based league, and when it comes, well, a production-based league, I said league, and if you don't produce and you're not productive, it's a really big red flag. It doesn't take long for a pass rusher to come into his own. Max Crosby was a mid-round pick. It's arguably one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Alex Highsmith, mid-round selection, had 14 sacks this past year. It doesn't take long to figure out if a guy is an elite pass rusher or not. Elite pass rushers normally pop off within one or two years. So if Trayvon Walker doesn't have a promising second season, it's going to be really concerning when it comes to the future of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because when you miss on the first round pick, it kind of holds you back a little bit. Now, it won't hold them back too much because they got Trevor Lawrence and they got a really good team. And they could easily be able to overcome that. But if Trayvon Walker doesn't hit, it's going to be another first round whiff for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Before we move on, if you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like, subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Make sure that you go ahead, give us a five-star review. Remember that we're not just available on YouTube. You can find us on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts from. You can find the JT Sports Podcast. Now, I want to rank my eight best passing offenses going into the 2023 NFL season. Now, these are based on how much talent is in the receiving core at tight end if you got a great quarterback a good offensive line as well that boosts you up a little higher so starting with number one i got the la chargers the los angeles chargers they're gonna have one of the best passing offenses in the nfl this year you got justin herbert who's one of the best qbs in the game and plus do you know who he has as his offensive coordinator now? Kellen Moore. What does Kellen Moore like to do? Throw the football downfield. You're going to have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, fully healthy. And then you got Quinn Johnston. You got one of those old school basketball teams. You got a lot of size. You got Quinn Johnston and Mike Williams, who not only are really athletic, but they have fantastic size. And when you look at the size of Quentin Johnston with Mike Williams, ooh, that's going to be nasty. And not just do they have those guys at receiver, but they also have pretty good depth. Joshua Palmer was a guy who was really consistent when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams both had missed time last year. So look out for the LA Chargers offense this season at 2023. And I almost forgot Austin Eckler. He's one of the best all-around running backs in the NFL right now. So for the Los Angeles Chargers, they come in at number eight for me. I got the Jags coming in at number seven, man. Now, when you look at the Jaguars, you got Trevor Lawrence, who right now is in ascension mode. And what ascension mode is, is when a quarterback is starting to elevate. He's starting to really hit his stride. Trevor Lawrence is in that mode where right now, he's about to show us where he's going to be for the foreseeable future in terms of where he ranks amongst the NFL's best. Is he going to be a top three quarterback? Is he going to be a top five quarterback? Or is he going to be one of those slightly above average QBs who aren't capable of being able to get the job done? 
Now, for Trevor Lawrence, he has a really good supporting cast. You got Calvin Ridley, who I'm saying it right now, is most likely going to be a top five receiver this year. Not just am I saying it, but James Jones has said it. Devontae Adams has considered Calvin Ridley to be a top five receiver. You look at the fact that the Jaguars also have Christian Kirk. Evan Ingram at tight end and Zay Jones, they got a really good receiving core and a really good group of weapons for Trevor Lawrence to get the football to. And you got Travis Etienne in the backfield. He's also really good in the passing game. Your only concern is how this offensive line is going to hold up. The Jaguars come in at number seven for me. I think this is going to be a really good offense. Number six, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of Chiefs fans are going to get upset. They're going to say we deserve to be much higher, but there's some concerns with this team. Donovan Smith, he's an inconsistent left tackle. He's not a bad offensive tackle, but he's not a great offensive tackle. He can play good at times, but we're going to see how good he's going to be with Kansas City this year. You brought in Jawan Taylor at right tackle. We'll see how that plays out, but your offensive line overall is pretty good. But at wide receiver, you have a lot of unproven talent. And that's why I have you at number six. Because the teams that are ahead of you on these rankings, they have more talent at wide receiver. That's been more productive and more proven with higher upside. Now, you got guys like Justin Ross, Kadarius Tony when he's healthy, Sky Moore, who have a lot of potential to be really good. But they haven't really shown a lot so far. And Justin Ross... He's making a lot of plays so far throughout training camp, but is he going to be able to put it all together once the regular season comes around? You got Rasheed Rice, rookie out of SMU. I liked him a lot when he was coming out, but is he going to be able to play out for Kansas City? There's a lot of young, unproven talent. There's a lot of potential, but is that potential going to turn into production? And you do have Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. So you already know this offense is still going to be able to have success, but I just don't know if they're going to have as much success as the other teams ahead of them at least right now, or at least right now at this stage of the offseason. So I got the Kansas City Chiefs at number six. The Baltimore Ravens are coming in at number five. I already know you Chiefs fans are going to be really upset. You're going to be like, JT, how the hell are you going to put the Baltimore Ravens over us? Odell Beckham? Really? Yeah. You mean to tell me that Odell Beckham isn't better than any receiver on Kansas City right now? Come on. If OBJ was playing for the Chiefs, he would be their number one wideout. OBJ has him. They got Zay Flowers, who was my number one rated receiver coming out. You got Rashad Bateman, who when he's healthy, he should be really productive. And then when you look at the talent that they have at tight end, everybody knows about Mark Andrews, but y'all don't know about Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely had a really solid rookie season. And now he's going into his second year at Todd Munkin's offense. And you pick up Todd Munkin to be your OC to replace Greg Roman? Greg Roman was really good getting the most out of the run game, but he sucked when it came to getting production out of the passing attack. 
Todd Munkin is one of the best OCs when it comes to producing high-level passing games. The Baltimore Ravens have Lamar Axon Jackson at QB. Lamarvelous is going to be in store for another MVP season. You want to know why? Because he has Todd Munkin as his OC. He has a legitimate offensive coordinator who's going to be able to help take his game to the next level. And he now actually has a talented supporting cast around him. That's been the biggest reason why Lamar Jackson has came up short in the playoff. Because he hasn't had the same amount of talent as other quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Now, Lamar Jackson is working with an even playing field. This Ravens offense, I can't wait for this season to start. Because Todd Munkin is going to show y'all why he's one of the best offensive minds in the game right now a lot of people forget what he did when he had the opportunities to call plays during Dirk Cutter's final season with the Buccaneers they had the number one passing attack in the NFL that season with Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick Todd Munkin with the Lamar Jackson at quarterback y'all don't know what y'all in for and for the people who are saying that they are way too high just wait just wait, because I promise y'all, for all you guys who keep calling Lamar Jackson a running back and saying he can't throw, wait until this season starts. The Seattle Seahawks are ranked at number four. This passing attack is going to be so nasty this year. You get JSN with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and a lot of people are, for, are forgetting about no offense. And they got a really good offensive line, too, with Geno Smith. They're going to have one of the best passing attacks in the NFL this year. They already have one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Now that they have JSN, oh, JT, we haven't seen JSN play a game. When you look at some of the best receivers in the NFL, what do they all have in common? Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, route running. The best receivers in the game are elite route runners. Cooper Cup, what is he? An elite route runner. The best wideouts in the NFL are great route runners most of the time. And you look at JSN, he was a really phenomenal route runner. He may not be superior athletically, but he gets open. He creates good separation. He has a high football IQ. And you look at him playing in the slot with... Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf lining up outside of him and no offense at tight end with Geno Smith throwing him the football? Y'all sleeping on Seattle's offense this year. I'm telling y'all, y'all sleeping on the Seahawks. The Seahawks quietly have turned Russell Wilson into a Super Bowl contender. Quietly. And not a lot of people want to admit it. Not a lot of people want to give Seattle their props. You got people on here saying that they need to get rid of Pete Carroll. Like, Pete Carroll is about to win another championship before he retires. For real, this Seattle Seahawks offense is really nice. And even their defense, but this is about passing attacks right now. Seattle's passing attack, this upcoming NFL season is going to be one of the best in the NFL. JSN in the slot. With Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf on the outside and Geno Smith throwing dimes? Y'all sleeping on Seattle's offense, man. 
y'all really are sleeping on the Seahawks offense. This is a really talented offense. They got a lot of good players on the offensive line at wide receiver. Y'all better look out for Geno Smith when it comes to the MVP discussion because he's a legitimate dark horse, man. Philadelphia starts out my top three. They got a great offensive line. As a matter of fact, this is the best offensive line in the NFL. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, arguably the best receiver duo in the NFL. And they got a really underrated pickup in free agency. They got Amalek Zacchaeus. He has really good speed. He was really productive for Atlanta, which was an offense that struggled in the passing game. He's going to be an upgrade from what they had at the slot receiver last year. Quez Watkins, he still brings you a lot of speed, but you know he doesn't really have secure hands that you can trust in big moments. This is a really nice receiving core with the best offensive line in the NFL and Jalen Hurts. And word on the street is that Jalen Hurts isn't done. He's getting better. Last year was a warm-up. That's what the Philadelphia Eagles coaching staff is saying. They're saying that Jalen Hurts is going to improve as a passer. If Jalen Hurts improves as a passer, he could be the second-best quarterback in the league up there with Joe Burrow. He may dethrone Joe Burrow. And then you add... DeAndre Swift at running back, who's going to be an upgrade for Miles Sanders when he's healthy because of what he brings to the passing game with his ability to catch the football out of the backfield and line up in the slot. This The Seahawks offense is going to be nice, but the Philadelphia Eagles offense could be even nicer this season. Number two, I got the Miami Dolphins. Now, their offensive line really bugs me it really really bugs me i do not like the miami dolphins offensive line but outside of that this offense that the miami dolphins have going into this year is going to be one of the most explosive offenses that we've seen in recent memory they have the fastest team in the nfl you got tyreek hill jalen waddle chosen anderson braxton barrios at whiteout you drafted Devon A-Chain out of Texas A&M, Raheem Mossard. Ooh, this finna be a NASCAR team. I'm trying to tell you, it may not matter if the Dolphins got a bad offensive line this season. You want to know why? Because defensive lines are not going to have enough time to get pressure on Tua. And who's going to have enough time to get to these receivers in the open field? This is the NASCAR of the NFL. The Miami Dolphins, they got a track team this year. They got a NASCAR squad that they're putting out on the football field. Say what you want to say about Tua, but you got to give him his props. He was a runaway MVP candidate at one point last season. And yes, I do mean when I say he was a runaway MVP at one point last season. When the Dolphins got out to that hot start, don't act like you don't remember how everybody was saying that Tua was the runaway MVP winner or he was the MVP front runner. Because there were people who were saying that on ESPN and FS1. And you can go look it up for yourself. Look up Tua Tagovailoa midseason MVP and you will see these things popping up. You better stop sleeping on that boy Tua. 
He done beefed up. He done got his weight up. It's kind of a little bit different looking at Tua Tagovailoa now with him being a little bit choked up. The Miami Dolphins offense, even though I don't like this offensive line, it may not matter because they have so much speed. They're going to be able to get the ball out fast, and these receivers in space are going to be scary because of their getaway speed. I cannot wait to watch the Miami Dolphins offense this season. This is one of the most anticipated offenses that I have ever witness or i don't even know how the hell you say that man this is the most anticipation that i've ever had for offense going into a season man there we go man what the hell was i saying a couple minutes ago yeah but anyway the dolphins are coming in at number two number one i gotta go with the cincinnati Bengals, man listen i know a lot of you guys are getting tired of all of the joe burrow love that i'm out here giving but you gotta be honest don't not like Joe Burrow isn't one of those guys. Jamar Chase, he's one of those guys too. T. Higgins, he is also. Tyler Boyd, he's underrated. And they probably have finally figured out their answer to their offensive line woes that have hampered them their previous two seasons. Last year, they tried to improve the offensive line. They did spend a lot of money on it in free agency. But some of those guys going into the postseason were injured. And then Lyle Collins, he was injured and he kind of was a whiff. Now he potentially could be starting this year at right tackle, but you're also going to have Jonah Williams competing for playing time at right tackle this year. He's moving over from left to right. He could have been traded, but nobody wanted him because Orlando Brown is going to be replacing him this year. And Orlando Brown, although he is a little inconsistent, he still is one of the best left tackles in the NFL. And he's better than anything that the Bengals have had at that position for a very long time. The Bengals offense, now that they're going to have a legitimate offensive line in front of Joe Burrow, he's going to have all day to throw the football. And this is going to be an offense that's going to generate a lot of big plays in the passing game. You already know how deadly this receiving core is and how great Joe Burrow is. And now that he has a legitimate old line in front of him, he probably is going to end up putting up MVP numbers this season. So I got the Cincinnati Bengals having the number one passing attack in the NFL this season. So let me know what you guys think about this down in the comment section down below. Do you guys think that I have a couple of these two, a couple of these squads too high? Do I have a couple of squads too low? Or there's some teams that I left off here that you feel should be included on this list? Let me know down in the comment section down below. If you haven't already, make sure that you go ahead, leave a like. Subscribe to the channel. We go live every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay. There's a lot of excitement around James Cook going into the 2023 NFL season. For those of you guys who are like, who the hell is James Cook? That last name sounds familiar. Yes, he is related to Dalvin Cook. This is Dalvin's little brother. 
He was part of Georgia's national championship squad in 2021. He was selected in the second round of last year's NFL draft. And he has really good speed, great acceleration, good hands coming out the backfield. He showed a lot of flashes last year during his rookie campaign, even though he did have some issues taking care of the football. But other than that, I think he's going to be a really big piece of this Buffalo Bills offense this year. Yes, they did sign Damian Harris in free agency. He is going to get a bulk load of the red zone carries. But James Cook is going to be the all-around better running back that the Bills are going to have going into this season. He's the best pass catcher that they have now with Naeem Himes getting injured. And he's done. And plus, he was more talented than Naeem Himes. He's better in the open field. He's really shifty. The difference between him and Dalvin Cook is that he's better in the passing game than what Dalvin Cook is. Now, he isn't going to be one of those running backs that you're going to run up the middle 10 to 15 times a game. He's not a bell cow. That's what you got Damian Harris for. But if you're looking for a running back to get you explosive plays with outside runs and somebody who you can do a little bit, with in the passing game James Cook is your guy and when he was coming out of Georgia he was getting a lot of comparisons to Alvin Kamara Alvin Kamara is one of the best all-around running backs in the league so he fits that new mold that you need to be a successful running back in the league which is being able to have a big impact in the passing game and that's what James Cook is going to bring to the Buffalo Bills this running game has been lacking the last couple of years, they've been overly dependent on Josh Allen's rushing ability. It's time that they get somebody to step up at running back. And Buffalo Bills are hoping that James Cook is that guy. And James Cook could bring a different element to this offense that not a lot of people are talking about. His pass catching is really underrated. And he also is a really good route runner considering that he's a running back. He's from South Florida. He trains with gold feet global down in south beach and over there in south florida in the south beach area we produce a lot of dogs down there so james cook i am a little bit biased because he is from the south florida area but he's a dog and a lot of bills fans are really hyped up to see what he does this season and i think he could be one of those players that ends up having a breakout season that nobody sees coming drew Aller is finally getting his opportunity to start at quarterback for Penn State this year. Sean Clifford is gone. He's now with the Green Bay Packers. And Drew Aller was the number one ranked quarterback coming out of the 2022 recruiting cycle. And when you look at James Franklin and you're asking, what has kept Penn State from getting over the hump in the Big Ten? And it's been simple. It's two teams in the way, Ohio State and Michigan. We saw what Penn State did to Utah in the Rose Bowl. Penn State is one of the most consistent programs in college football. And I think right now, this is one of the 10 best teams heading into this season. Drew Aller has a really good group of running backs around him. His wide receiving core is a little bit questionable, but I think that Drew Aller is one of those quarterbacks that's good enough to elevate the guys that you have at wideout. He's really accurate with the football. He has really good pocket presence. 
and he is pretty mobile for a guy his size now he's not josh allen but he does have enough mobility to make you pay for it if you give him some open field and you can run some read options some design quarterback runs with him i think he's going to be really deadly in the red zone due to that size and his athleticism but one thing that i really love about drew Aller is his arm talent now he has a really unique ability to throw from different body angles so even though his body may be getting twisted in awkward in awkward positions he may be ended up getting thrown around and having to make plays when he's falling down still getting the ball out he's one of those quarterbacks man he's one of those kind of quarterbacks that just finds ways to make hard throws look easily He's one of those quarterbacks that are going to make a bunch of plays when he's falling down, still finding ways to get the football out. He has that kind of arm talent. I don't know what it is with some of these new age quarterbacks, but it's like they have no bones in their arm and they just have hella strength. In the spring game, he made a couple of really impressive throws, especially throws that were in tight coverage. Drew Aller... This is going to be probably the best quarterback in the Big Ten this year. Even though we haven't seen him play an official game as a starter, he did come in and mop up duty when they were getting blown out against Ohio State. And he also did appear in a couple of other games in garbage time. But Drew Aller, I think he may finally be the him at quarterback for James Franklin. You know, Ryan Day with Ohio State has had Justin Fields. He's had C.J. Stroud. Jim Harbaugh has finally gotten his him at quarterback and J.J. McCarthy. And I think that Drew Aller is finally the him at QB for Penn State. And I think he's going to be the difference between this team being able to get over the hump. Even though he hasn't played a game, you look at this dude's high school film, he was a dog. And even looking at him in the spring game, he looked a little shaky, but that's the spring game. You know, not everybody's playing in the spring game 100%. You're going to have some guys who are banged up who aren't going to be able to go in that game. So the offensive line situations normally look pretty shaky. But they do have one of the most talented offensive lines in college football. They got one of the best left tackles in the game. And when you look at their defense, it's going to be really good. So you look at Drew Aller, this guy probably should be able to come in right away and give them elite level quarterback play. You may sound putting high expectations on Drew Aller, but I mean, he was the number one ranked quarterback. What am I supposed to do? Duh. Trevor Lawrence had similar expectations. When you're the number one ranked quarterback, of course, you're going to have high expectations. That's just what comes with the tag. They don't rank you number one for no reason. They rank you number one because you have elite traits about you that are going to make you an instant impact starter. And Drew Aller, if he ends up living up to that hype that he had coming out of high school, you better watch out for Penn State. I don't think that Michigan and Ohio State are the locks that many people feel they are to win this side of the Big Ten. I really don't. You really need to look out for Drew Aller because the difference between Drew Aller and Sean Clifford is that in big situations, the situations that Sean Clifford came up small in are going to be the situations that Drew Aller 
rises up to the occasion then. You saw how Penn State started out slow against Ohio State's defense. Sean Clifford got out to a slow start in that game. Drew Waller's going to be one of those guys that in those big games, he's going to elevate his play. He's going to elevate his teammates. So Drew Waller, I think he's finally going to be able to put Penn State in position to get into the Big Ten Conference Championship game. And I do believe that they're going to end up getting at least one big win this year. Don't know who it's going to be against, but I think they're going to end up pulling off an upset. I think that this is a talented team, and the only thing that has been holding this program back is their lack of talent at quarterback. Trace McSorley, Sean Clifford, those guys were good, but they don't have the talent that Drew Aller has. Drew Aller is about to put the college football world on notice this year. Justin Ross, we got an update for him. He reportedly was getting first team reps during the first training camp session with the Kansas City Chiefs. This was somebody who was a projected first round pick a couple of years ago. He had a phenomenal true freshman season at Clemson. And then he ended up having a spinal injury. That forced him to sit a year, and then he ended up having his draft stock plummet, and he went undrafted last year due to those medical concerns, and he got picked up by the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's a really talented wide receiver. This isn't one of those overhyped guys that had a lot of potential coming out of high school that didn't pan out in college. Like, no, Justin Ross was really productive for Clemson when he was healthy. The problem is that he had to sit out that one year with that spinal injury. And he missed all of last season due to another injury that he suffered. So Justin Ross, this is really his first opportunity to really show everybody what he has the capability of being able to do in this Kansas City Chiefs offense. And this is a prime opportunity for him, not simply for the fact that he's healthy, but Kadarius Toney recently got injured. So that gives Justin Ross more reps and more snaps. And with him already getting first team reps, this is a good sign for all of the Justin Ross truthers out there. Plus, Patrick Mahomes has always raved about Justin Ross. Every time Patrick Mahomes talks about Justin Ross, he has glowing things to say about him. And Justin Ross kind of has developed a good relationship with Patrick Mahomes, which is a really good thing if you're him. Because when your quarterback likes you, guess what he's going to do? He's going to throw you the football more. He's going to look out for you more. Justin Ross isn't one of those undrafted guys that you normally see who had a lot of talent. You know, they were highly ranked coming out of high school. They weren't really all that productive throughout college, but simply due to their talent, like guys similar to Kayshawn Boutte with the Patriots, they end up getting a lot of hype if they get drafted in the late rounds or they go undrafted because people think about what they can be due to how talented they are and due to the fact that, you know, they were a former top recruit. But Justin Ross isn't in that category. He was somebody who was productive his first couple of years at Clemson. His first couple of years in college, he was one of the best receivers in the sport. And then he had an injury come out of nowhere that he ended up bouncing back from, he probably could have retired after he had that injury. He bounces back, even though it wasn't, you know, the kind of season that he had 
prior to that injury, quarterback play held that bad. And the fact that Clemson didn't have a good OC that year neither. But when he gets the opportunity to show what he can do, he's going to be a monster for the Kansas City Chiefs. He has great speed, really good hands. He can be an elite deep threat that the Chiefs have been looking for at wide receiver for a while. Now, you do have MVS. I think he is a good deep threat. I think he's a solid receiver, but I don't think he's an elite deep threat. Justin Ross, this dude has it all. Athleticism, high IQ. I think he's a pretty solid route runner. Hopefully, he can stay healthy, but I'm going to be keeping up and keeping you guys updated with everything that is going on with Justin Ross throughout training camp for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let me know what you guys think about Justin Ross so far. If you have been in attendance at training camp for the Kansas City Chiefs, give us some inside details that people aren't reporting about what you've observed about Justin Ross so far. This is it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Make sure that you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel, upload NFL videos and college football videos daily. And I will see you guys tomorrow with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast.